Well, today we are back at our Unstoppable series, series in the book of Acts, and that's really based on the, on the premise that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, there's nothing that can stop the advance of the church, and that's a study through the book of Acts. And I'm wondering this morning if you've ever, if you've ever been on a road trip. Now, what do I mean by road trip? I mean road trips that take you a variety of places. You know, sometimes, I don't know if they're as popular as they used to be. That's, you know, that's certainly for sure. We, as, when I was growing up, we had two road trips that we were, that were kind of natural for our family. One was to Missouri. That's where my family was, my, my extended family lived and still do. And so we would make that trip and we would travel along historic uh, Route 66 and that is, that was really fun. You know, even as a kid, I would look and see these, these unique, very unique places throughout this, uh, throughout this drive cross country. And literally, we would go almost all of it. Route 66 starts in Chicago and ends in Los Angeles. And we would make it all the way to St. Louis. That's where it kind of ended for us. But we would see most of Route 66 along the way. It's pretty special. Then the other road trip that we would take would be to the San Francisco Bay Area because that's where we had some other family and then a lot of my parents' friends lived there. So those are the two trips that we took um, you know, pretty often. One of the things that I recall about driving to Missouri was the fact of these long, long roads. They were just endless roads. They went on forever. And in fact, I would, I, I would sit in the car and I'd look out this road and I would say something like this, Mom, Dad, is Missouri just right over those hills? Is it just at the end of this road? And they would have to somehow uh, confirm or do something to, keep, to, get a, to, to, get, to get me off the ledge because we were driving cross country in the summertime without air conditioning. Oh, it was delightful. Not only that, my dad never turned on the radio. Ever. This was the days before any personal things, you know, like uh, whatever you might have, hey, or whatever. We didn't have that. We was it was hot, miserable. It was awful. As a nine-year-old, you know, you think this is like this is horrible. Well, and then then there was always this desire that I always wanted to stop at Stuckey's. I don't know if any of you remember Stuckey's. And then we did stop, and I was really disappointed because it wasn't all that it was supposed to be. But they were everywhere. It seemed like there was a Stuckey's every exit, you know. And so this was the road trip that was just always pressed, pressed upon us. But there were some fun things, too. We stopped at, you know, Merrimack Caverns. That was fun. We did some, some other things. There were attractions along the way that we might not have otherwise stopped and, you know, visited well, fast forward a few years, and then Marcy and I took our road trip when we moved from the West Coast to the Midwest, and we spent about three weeks just traveling, and, we, and the difference was we had air conditioning in our car, and I turned the radio on. So it was much more delightful, but the funny thing about that road trip is that we were, because we were moving from one location to another, our, <laughs> the backseat of our car was filled with plants, so we were trying to take care of our plants as we traveled cross-country. But one of the things that we did, too, that was really fun, we just stopped when we want to. We didn't care how far we got. Not with my dad. My dad, on the other hand, no, we've got a deadline to make, and we're going to get there. No matter how long we're going to get there. We're not stopping. No, we're not stopping. So that was, a diff that was different. Well, in 2001, I had the privilege of kind of being on a different kind of road trip. And it was, 
to Eastern Europe. And, and in fact, um, some, of Eastern, some of Eastern Europe, some of Central Europe. In a 10-day period of time from two, in 2001, we were in, I was uh, in every capital of Central Europe with the exception, with the exception of Zurich, Switzerland. We were in Bulgaria, Austria, Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland, and Germany. And we did that in 10 days. And it was a road trip. It was grueling. It was wonderful, but it was grueling. We saw some sights along the way, but most of it was just to connect with pastors and teen challenge centers and Bible colleges. And it was, it was really an eye-opening and wonderful experience. It had been my second time to Central Europe or Eastern Europe. It had been 10 years in between. So I was there first in 1991 and then again in 2001. And to see the difference of what God had been doing in the Eastern countries that had been under the former, or behind the Iron Curtain, was pretty, pretty amazing. Now, it was a different trip. It was just a different trip. There are road trips that are fun, and they have their, their vacation, kind of the, that's the, the motif. And then there's a trip like this. Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. The road trip that we're going to talk about is a road trip that Paul and Barnabas set out on. And in fact, they would visit nine different cities during what many call the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And this is where they went. And this map shows the, the uniqueness. So they started in a, in, in a city called Antioch in Syria, and then they would, make this nine, they would make this journey, nine different cities, and they would find themselves back in Antioch after that period of time. And along the way, a lot of experiences. We're going to talk about that today. So pray with me if you would. Lord, thank you for your word, and I pray that as we open your word, it'll be a blessing, a challenge, and an encouragement to all of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out that electronic version of the Bible or the real one, whichever, the, no, I'm just teasing, whichever one you have and open with me to Acts chapter 13. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. Yeah, a lot of scripture. And so you need to, but it, it tells a story and that's what I want you to, uh, there's, a, there's something I want you to grab onto. There's a story here that we will see, that we'll discover together in Acts chapter 13 and 14. So just stay there and work our way through it, and then we'll also be on the screen for your convenience. All right. There are a few things that I just want to just share about road trips, all right? First of all, road trips, road trips require preparation. They require preparation. You say, well, 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 what do you mean? Well, you know, you pack your suitcase, don't you? You, you, you kind of plan out your route. You kind of tell people it's going to be, hey, would you watch my dog for me while we're gone? Make sure that nobody, you know, throws a stone through our window while we're gone. Yeah, you make preparations, don't you? Well, it's very much the same for Paul and Barnabas. They were making preparations for this trip. Acts chapter, it begins at Acts chapter 12, verse 25, the last verse of chapter 12 and then into verse 13, or chapter 13. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they'd come back, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now... In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, many in who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So in this preparation, there are some things that helped them get ready for the trip. And it really is reflected... The first is reflected in the diversity in this diverse church. The church that they, that they were a part of was very diverse. And you see it in the names that are suggested or the names that are mentioned. 
Simeon, or Barnabas was a Jew. He was from the nation of, he was from the island of Cyprus, okay? So then you have Simeon, which is a Jewish name, but there's an addition of another word, Niger. And what does that mean? Well, it's a descriptive term, meaning that Simeon was from Africa. He was from Africa. So he was a Jewish convert to, uh, he was a Jewish convert from Africa. Then you have a man by the name of, of Lucius from Cyrene, that he was Libyan. Okay, so now you've got a, a person from Cyprus, a person from the continent of Africa, a person from Libya, and it goes on. Meniam is Jewish, but what's unique about Meniam is that he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. He could have been a foster brother or a very close friend, which is really interesting. And then Saul, soon to be called by his Greek and Roman name, Paul, which was not uncommon at the time, but he would adopt that Roman Greek name as he moved into the Roman and Greek world to share the good news of Christ. Now, here's the deal. Why is this preparation? Well, for a number of reasons. What has happened is we have a pivot point from where the, the, the message of Christ has been going to, remember, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. There's one part of what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 that hasn't been covered yet, and that's the ends of the earth. And isn't it interesting that within the church at Antioch, you have a representation of the ends of the earth. I believe in a very subtle way and ordered of the Holy Spirit, God is getting Paul and Barnabas ready for what they're going to experience in a diversity of culture, but they were already immersed in a diverse culture. So they knew it firsthand, but now even more so are they going to experience it up close and personal. And remember this about the family of God, Galatians chapter 3, in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek, a slave or free, male or female, you are all the same in Christ Jesus. That's a message that all of us need to hear today, isn't it? Is that we are one in Christ. So it's a diverse church. The second part of this is that it's a Holy Spirit dependent church. There's probably nothing that prepares them more than being dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do what they are going to do. These three verses make it clear that the church in Antioch was absolutely and totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit's guidance and leadership. Charles Stanley said, God is looking, God is looking for imperfect men and women who have learned to walk in moment-by-moment moment dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I would ask this question of all of us, is that how we're living our lives? Is that how we're living our lives? Because you're going to be on certain road trips too. And one of the best ways you can prepare and I can prepare is to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. It's also ascending church, ascending church. The church fasted and prayed and then they sent them to do the work, Scripture says, that I have called them. I, I love the fact that the, part of this preparation was the affirmation of the people in Antioch to say, go guys, we're with you. We're with you. There's something dynamic about that that encourages and strengthens you. And you know something? I am grateful today that as a church, we are ascending church. Let me just give you an example. Amir and Denise Hodge in Honduras. Here's some others. How about Cecilia and Geronimo Galvan who are in Ensenada? Part of us. How about Larry and Tina Staley who work 
for or work with royal family there from us? What about Nicole Herrera, who is right now in France right here from us. We're ascending church along with the other missionaries that we have an opportunity to come alongside and bless. And I want to encourage you again, be a part of our missions emphasis in 2021. I'm going to wait for effect. Be a part of our missions emphasis this year. Don't miss it. You say, but Gary, I know about missions. So do I. But there's something so powerful about being reminded that we are ascending church. That's what, God, that's what God's called us to be and called us to do. So I encourage you to be there on the 23rd and 24th of this month. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all, and all and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is a church they were prepared to go. Road trips require preparation. The second thing, that road trips include challenges. They include challenges. On any road trip, one expects challenges. The climate, the weather, I mean weather problems and difficulties, flat tires, and oh my goodness, all kinds of things are just connected to road trips. And I remember one road trip that my, our family was taking. We were coming from Northern California to Disneyland. And we got stuck, ready, in a, chem, in a train that derailed and it was a chemical spill. And we couldn't get to Los Angeles. We couldn't get to Anaheim because of that spill. So we, it was delayed. There's all kinds of obstacles and opposition. Well, that's what happened to them as well. So look at with me. Look with me at Acts 13, verse 4. The two of them, Paul and Barnabas, Sent, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Barjesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas... The sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You're a child of the devil and, and the enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. As soon as their road trip begins, what happens? Opposition. Opposition. When you and I begin any service for the Lord, it should never come as a surprise that opposition will meet us head on. It's exactly what happens here. But what I... But, but remember this, remember this. God empowered the Apostle Paul with the Spirit of God to understand what was going on. And he spoke directly to the issue, and there were a number of outcomes. This individual was, was blinded, and then the proconsul did come and embrace faith. When we walk in dependence and in the power of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of opposition, God will be with us and God will remain faithful to work through us to accomplish his purposes. I'm grateful for that. 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we use in our fight are not the world's weapons, but God's powerful weapons, which we use to destroy strongholds. 
We destroy false arguments. We pull down every proud obstacle that is raised against the knowledge of God. We take thought, we take captive, we, excuse me, we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So road trips include challenges. Also, road trips are better, <laughs> are better with maps. Can I just tell you that? They're just better with maps. Anybody remember this, this thing called a road atlas? You ever remember those things? Some of you are going, a road atlas? Is that like, on, is that like an app on your phone? No, it's not an app on your phone. There may be one, but Road Atlas was just that. It was this big book. But what was, really, what was cool is you could open it up and you could find where, like your starting point, and then as you turn to each page, it would continue down that same starting point. And it would give you attractions along the way. It was really a, it was really a cool thing, but it was a big, bulky thing, kind of like a Thomas Guide. Remember Thomas Guides? Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is kind of like the national version of it. All right, you need maps. And my navigator, when we were traveling, got us lost in Wyoming. Well, that's not really true, but we were lost in Wyoming trying to get through. We went, you know, we went around in circles two or three times. It was just the silliest thing. We could, we come by this, weren't we just here? And we did it again. What is going on? What do we keep doing? Maps help you figure out where you're going. No different for Paul and Barnabas. We're going to read just a portion of this next section because it's really long. This is verse, verses 13 all the way through verse 52. We're just going to highlight this because, and I'll explain, I'll explain what is within this passage of Scripture. Acts 13, verse 13. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga they went on to Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Now we go through all the way to verse 42 and to 43. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things. On the next Sabbath, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Now, what is in the, in, what's in the middle of that? The middle of that, Paul does something really extraordinary. He connects the dots, as it were. He shows a map of the people of God and their journey from, literally, from slavery into freedom, and then all the way and connects the dots to Jesus. It's an amazing map of history, of faith history. Now, why is that significant? Because I believe it's important for you and me, as we walk this journey of faith, that we connect the dots, not just for our own life, but for the lives that we have the opportunity to influence, for your family, for your neighbors. We need to be able to connect the dots. Listen to what, listen to what we read in chapter 13, verse 32. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children. Hear that? By raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I become your father. Verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. 
Paul has done that. He has taken this entire history and he's pointed pointed to Jesus. He has let his hearers know that this whole story, this was God's plan. This was God's map to get right here so you could hear the message of Jesus Christ and be forgiven and given eternal life all because of Christ. I wonder if you've ever heard this phrase. Ready? Listen carefully. Frail grasp on the big picture. Frail grasp on the big picture. Now, maybe that's an unfamiliar phrase, but it is a powerfully true phrase because often we look very, very narrowly at the way that we live our lives and even our lives of faith. But you and I are the benefactors of an extraordinary story from literally centuries previous to right here. We are the benefactors of a map that God created all the way back in the Garden of Eden all the way through the patriarchs, through the nation of Israel, to Jesus, through the church being built. And now in the 21st century, we're still the benefactors of what God mapped out millennia ago. We're the benefactors of that. And it is, an, it is a sobering thought for me. How am I going to have, not have a frail grasp on the big picture? One of the things Paul did not have was that. He saw the big picture, and he was able to communicate that. So my question to me and to you, do you have a good grasp on the big picture? We, are, we stand on the shoulders of great individuals over centuries of time, and we have an opportunity to leave a legacy to those who will follow us, and I am so grateful for that. Romans chapter 15 says, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can have hope and endure all things. Remember, when you're reading a story in, in scripture, it has a point for today. That is part of the big picture of faith history. How are you interfacing with the big picture? Are you able to communicate the big picture of what God has done, what God is doing, and God, what God will do in and through you and me. Do we understand the plan of God? Are we able to connect the dots of our spiritual heritage and produce a legacy of faith in our children and influence them for the good? I heard this phrase years ago and I've used it a thousand times. Very simple. The heritage you've been handed is not as important as the legacy you leave. All of us have been given a faith legacy of some sort or maybe you are just beginning to build one. But it is not as important what we've been given as what we leave. And to understand the big picture and know what that means and how the dots are connected. And then to pass that on to generations who follow such an important element of the road trip that all of us are on. Also, road trips have mixed experiences. Mixed experiences. Every road trip that I've ever been on has had incredible moments of joy and fun and all kinds. But man, there has been a lot of other things too. From, like I said, there have been good things, there have been, not, there have been things that weren't so good. Whether it was a bad experience in a restaurant, or it was a motel, and I say motel, not hotel, motels that were awful. My dad used to go, we would stop at a motel, and before he would ever say that we're going to take this room, he says, can I see the room please? And he would go and make sure it was okay for us to have a night in that particular place. Some of them 
were good and some of them weren't. There's just these ups and downs of road trips. They're mixed. There's just mixed experiences. So let's read chapter 14, beginning at verse number 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas were sent, went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and miracles, signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among them. But they found, see, there was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Laconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, to the surrounding country, and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. Now listen to this. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had, been, he had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him and, and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was, the, he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he, was, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd saying, Friends, why are you doing this? We are two only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go on their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Now listen to this. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. And they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. So think about it. There's all kinds of stuff going on, isn't there? There's good things. There's things that aren't good. There's all kinds of experiences on their road trip. So here are four outcomes of this road trip. Four outcomes. The first one is this. There were miraculous signs and wonders. So there's some great things that God is doing in the midst of this. Both in Iconium and in Lystra, God did miracles. And let me just stop for a second. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to respond. But I'm wondering, do you need a miracle today? One of the things that this story tells me, and all of the, all of the scriptures just over and over reinforce, is this truth. God is a God of miracles. And God does miracles today as he has always done, if we are willing to believe. If you need a miracle today, reach out to God because Hebrews tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. The second thing, first there were miraculous signs and wonders. Second, there was division. Now you would think, wait a minute. How can there be division? The people are divided. What, what is, these are good things that are happening, but people are divided. I want to tell you something. It's still the same today, too. It does, it's just so amazing. And what I wonder, I wonder what it might be. Maybe it's human nature that we're just prone to divide rather than to unite. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 10. Don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. 
What is that all about? Did you hear that? Wow, don't imagine I came to peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Oh my goodness. Ever experienced the division that happens because of Christ? Oh, I have. You could talk about it even in a personal way of how this division occurs. Claiming Jesus as Lord publicly or privately can cause division. You may have experienced it at work or at school and family. But the gospel, but remember this, the gospel changes everything. It challenges the very deep parts of our heart. And we have to come we have to come to a, to, to a moment in time where we have to make a decision about what we are hearing, what we're seeing, and what we're experiencing. Even so, Paul and Barnabas continued to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Also, so you got miraculous signs and wonders. Then there's division. Now look at this. Then there's misunderstanding. What? Misunderstanding. What in, how in the world can this happen? Misunderstanding. Here's what happens. You, you notice that the account of the people, there's this great miracle with this individual who's lame, Right? Now you have these priests of Zeus come out and going to sacrifice to because they think they're gods. And you say, well, that's kind of curious. Why would that happen? Well, it is part of the, the narrative or part of the story of history is that there was a time, supposedly, that Zeus and Hermes had taken human form and come into the region. And nobody in that region would show them any hospitality except one elderly couple. And the rest of the other families, which are about a thousand, legend has it, that Zeus and Hermes were so ticked off at them, they caused the flood and destroyed them. So now this priest of Zeus says, we're not taking any chances because this is Zeus and Hermes. We're getting ahead of the game. There was misunderstanding. In the midst of that, Paul was very disturbed. They were very disturbed and they did everything they could to stop them from sacrificing to them. Yet, what was the outcome? <laughs> they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, hoping he was dead. We're going to get rid of this. Division, misunderstanding. Finally, there was relief. So you've got th th this back and forth, this emotional roller coaster. This road trip has all kinds of experiences at every turn. What is the relief? Well, Acts chapter 14, verse 19 they stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believer gathered around, gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. And the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. What is that all about? Well, I have a feeling that the church gathered around Paul and prayed, and there was a restoration. And there was relief in, the, in those who were a part of the church to see Paul brought back into an active ministry life. And what's interesting, God must have done something very significant in his life because they had a long journey ahead of them the next day after he had been stoned. So there's relief. Seems reasonable that people prayed and God touched him. And then finally, road trips deserve reflection. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of the disciples. And they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for each in, for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. 
After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. My road trip in 2001 was basically that. I would never put, my, put ourselves in, in the same frame as Paul and Barnabas, but that's what we did. We traveled to Bible college, the Bible college in, in Sofia, Bulgaria, and had an opportunity to just bless the students who were there and the leaders. We were in a, I was in a villa in far northwestern Poland near the North Sea that was a teen challenge center and had the opportunity to interact with the students there who were making ceramic bricks so that they could sell them to support the ministry of Teen Challenge. It was in a Teen Challenge center in a former communist era school in Weisswasser, which was East Germany. And it was just a very gray kind of, but man, they were excited about what God was doing. The pastor in another part of Poland in this tiny little building, it was probably no bigger than just a half of one of the center sections was excited to do what God was calling him to do. And we were there for one reason. It was to encourage them and bless them and pray with them. And what kind of resources can we bring to help and to be a part of what God is doing? And when I came home, here's what happened. I told people about our experiences. That's exactly what Paul and Barnabas did. After going through these nine cities, they reversed track and went back and they encouraged, they appointed leaders and they prayed with them and they strengthened them. And they got back to Antioch and they said, God's at work amongst the Gentiles. And what did the church do? Wow, this is great. And that would have been a good time for you to go, wow, this is great. Uh, yeah, there, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Did you know something? God is still at work in our world, no matter how bad things look. And we need to be strengthening and encouraging those who serve in a very and various places around this world. That's why our missions emphasis is so important. It gives you an opportunity to get up close and personal, to learn more about missions, but to pray more effectively, to be involved more effectively so you can tell others what God is doing around the world. And even within the United States. I love that. I love that. You and I may never accomplish what Paul and Barnabas did. But as God works in you and through you, let somebody know about it. Can I just say that again? If, I'm not going to say if. I'm not going to say if. I, I've used the word as. You notice? As God. Not if God. It's not a matter that God will. God will. He will work in you and through you. And when he does, tell somebody about what God is doing. Begin to champion the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the healing of God, the graciousness of God. If God has delivered you, tell somebody about it. It'll strengthen someone else. It'll encourage someone else. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of encouragement needed today. Amen? You can do that by telling your story. Psalm 66, come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Hallelujah. Isaiah 63, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love and I will praise the Lord for all he has done. Hallelujah. I don't know, you may know this name. Guy Fieri. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. 
It is not a Friday at my house without watching diners, drive-ins, and dives. And then I sit there with my mouth watering over everything that he does. And he, I'm also a little jealous. He has a 67, uh, 67 Camaro convertible that is in pristine condition. And I won't tell that story because it is not a good story for me to tell. Uh, other than to say, uh, we had a 67 Camaro and I sold it. Yeah, exactly. The same groans I feel in my heart and spirit every time I say that story. And there's a lot to that story, which gets me in trouble every time I talk about it. Anyway, so. But when the, when the show ends, here's the way, here's what Guy says, okay? Or, or some facsimile thereof. You ready? That was some road trip, wasn't it? Well, I'm going to say that. That was some road trip, wasn't it? Nine cities, churches planted, miracles happening, people encouraged. The church is born amongst the Gentiles. God is accomplishing what God said he would do. And I and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's exactly what happened. God was being faithful. So as we bring this time to a close, there's something that struck, just stuck out to me so very strongly in this portion of Scripture. In this church in Antioch, they did something. They were very much desiring to know the will and direction of the Lord. I, I'm pretty confident this morning there's not a person who's listening or watching me online today or here in the house that doesn't have that same desire. To know the will of God and the direction of God for your life. In fact, I think it's, it's fascinating that there are, get this, you ready for this? If you just look up the will of God, do a Google search on the will of God, you ready? There are 472 million pieces of information that you can interact to discover God's will. You can research. So don't tell me when there's a half a, <laughs> when there's a, half a billion people or a half a billion pieces of information that it's not a topic that's on our, on our minds and hearts. How might we, how might we discern, know, discover the will of God? I believe Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, give us a path forward. The first way to do it is to be influenced by the word of God. To allow the word of God deep entrance into our hearts. You'll notice, remember those names I talked to you about? The, the Saul, the, you know, Lucius, and Minion, and remember those guys? You notice they were called what? Teachers, prophets. What were they doing? They were sharing the word of God with the church. And out of, this, out, of this, out of this word of God being preached and related to their own circumstances, it drives everything for them to finally get to a place where they can send Paul and Barnabas out. And the same is true for us. We must be influenced by the word of God in order to discern and to know God's will in our life. It's not, a, it's not something different. It's not something outside. It's not like, well, I'll finally turn to God's word at the very end and then I'll figure out what God... No, 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 no. It really is a priority of our lives, should be. They were devoted to the preaching and teaching of the word of God and, and hearing it, letting it deep in their heart. The second is that they worshiped together. Twice the word in this passage of Scripture is this little word, 
they, they. I've said this numerous times over the last two years, and I'll continue to say it until I have no breath left to say it, of how important it is to be in this place to worship. And I'm going to say it again. You don't have to say an amen, but I'm going to say it again because it's important. It is critically important that we are together in this house worshiping God. Do not dismiss the power of corporate worship together to know and discern the will of God. Often we're going to look everywhere else, do everything else, so that we can figure it. No, 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 no. Let's start with being influenced by the word of God and being in a place where we can worship together and let the presence of God speak into our life. Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. Hear that? Fellowship. Okay. Thirdly, they fasted. They fasted. They're influenced by the word of God. They worshiped together in community. And they fasted. Fasting is not something just to deprive yourself of food or media or what. No, it's, it's not that. It's a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline, so that we can, ready, to draw closer to God. That is the first reason we fast, not to discern his will, to draw closer to God. And as we draw closer to God, what does scripture say? He's going to draw closer to us. We're going to know him better, therefore we will know his will and direction more clearly. James 4, come near to God and he'll come near you. Number four, they prayed. You say, well... Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we? Well, there it is. Why wouldn't we? But I wonder how many times we consult everybody in the world for advice and counsel and direction before we pray. Being influenced by God's word, worshiping in community, fasting, and praying. Four things. Four things. Now, I understand prayer by its very nature is accomplishing the will of God. 1 Thessalonians says, pray continue, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But it's important that we activate prayer, that we actively call out to God, say, God, help me to understand. And then the fifth thing is just simply a declaration. You ready? They receive direction from the Lord. When we read these words, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas to the work to which I have called them. What is it? That is a confirmation that God's will has been revealed. I am confident this morning you're seeking God's will, God's direction, God's guidance in your life. Be influenced by the word of God. Worship, yes, privately, but worship in community together so that there is an, an active, dynamic presence of the spirit of God that you are part of being influenced by fast, fast a meal a day. Fast a couple of days. Fast a week if you're able to do that. If you can't do food, understandably, but you can fast other things. Put your phone away. I could have got, should have gotten an amen on that one. Because you know we're all just tired of that thing. Put your phone away. Stop listening to whatever and just dedicate your time to the Lord and then pray. Here's what will happen. I believe the Lord will speak clarity into your life. 
I believe you will. So one last thought. I know God has a plan. I pray for direction to follow it, patience to wait on it, and knowledge to know when it comes. Amen? Amen. Road trip. Road trip. John 16, 13, the one last thought. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Road trips. We're all on them. This is a unique one, but I believe God has something for us to learn and glean from chapters 13 and 14 of Acts. Jesus, thanks for our, your word this morning, and I pray that, Lord, as we bring our time to a close, you'll speak to us in unique and wonderful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you would. As we worship one more song before we go today, in time of response, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come, but here's really where I want us to focus as we close today. Do you desire to know the will of God, direction of God in your life? That's about a lot of different things. It, it can be, it can be about what your future is. It can be about family, relationships, work, whatever it is. But God's will is not something that's mysterious. It's available to us. And I encourage you to press in, to take what God has spoken through his word and allow him to speak to you. If you need a miracle today, God does miracles. If you need to be encouraged, as Paul and Barnabas went back through the church to be encouraged, know it that the Holy Spirit is here, and as we are to encourage you and to strengthen you in the faith. But in your road trips, consider the preparation it takes, the maps, the, 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 the opposition that are going to come, the varied experiences that are there, the reflection that's all part of it. God will use those road trips significantly to influence you and others in the days that he gives to each of us. So, Father, thank you that we have this privilege of worshiping you. And, Lord, I pray this morning if there are those in the room that are seeking out the will of God, the guidance of God in their life, let today be a day when we take that first step in a direction to hear you, hear your voice clearly, to know the direction that you have for us give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.